Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Hark. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Season 1 of the TV version of Building the Future is now streaming online at buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Angie Foda. She's an engineer and journalist. Angie, welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Kevin. Maybe before we kind of get into um, exactly what you're doing now, maybe let's cover um, your background and kind of where you grew up. Um, okay. Uh, actually, I grew up in Egypt. Okay, uh, very cool. Uh, yes, um, and uh, I'm living in the United States from about 10 years now. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so what made you kind of move from Egypt to the United States? Uh, actually, I got married and my husband's working here as an uh, IC, uh, IC consultant, engineer. Gotcha. Uh, so I, I had to move with him. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. So did you... What did you kind of take maybe in um, university? Did you take that in Egypt? Did you take that in, in America? I know you're still in school, so you've kind of done a little bit of both, but maybe let's walk, walk us through kind of your, your university background. Uh, okay. Uh, actually, I received my uh, bachelor degree and master's degree in computer engineering from Cairo University, and uh, currently I'm pursuing uh, ma another master's degree in journalism at Harvard Extension School. Wow. Uh, but busy. actually, I work it for yes. <laughs> so busy, Harvard is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's awesome, and it, it's super impressive. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious then, how did you kind of get into computer engineering? Because Computer engineering um, and, you know, being in journalism, uh, being a journalist, you know, they're, they're quite different. So what kind of got you passionate about computer engineering? Um, actually, since I was a little kid, I was passionate about computers. I started really? learning computers, I think, at fourth grade. Okay. Uh, so while it was still still mainframes, you know, sure, <laughs> I sure. was I was writing. I remember writing my first basic program at a mainframe uh, at the university. So uh, I, I the the only place which provided uh, courses at that time uh, in Egypt was uh, Cairo University. So I was just a fourth grader entering the university to write and learn some computers so it was uh, really fun <laughs> sure. uh, yes uh, and since then we uh, and my two brothers actually my elder and younger brothers are both computer engineers as well oh, okay so kind of you've been around it for for a long period of time yes no I, I think that's awesome um, so did what did you kind of do once you um, graduated university um, for, with connect computer engineering um, actually, I, I was um, I worked as a teacher assistant okay. uh, at uh, the American University in Cairo okay. uh, in the electrical engineering department, and then I joined the German University in Cairo, um, uh, where I founded uh, the GUC uh, Robotics uh, Research Group. Okay, very cool. Yes, I worked for some years at my about two years or three years uh, as a computer developer uh, at a, comp a petroleum company, uh, and then I decided no, I have to be academic, <laughs> so I sure. switched to teaching at the university, uh, and since then I'm 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 doing some freelance uh, work, uh, but. I'm always dedicated somehow to teaching. I give uh, online webinars. I uh, uh, probably as a volunteer work, I teach uh, 
computer architecture and advanced computer architecture to, to help students in Egypt to grasp these ideas. Sure. No, I, I think that's awesome. So you, you mentioned kind of teaching and webinars. What kind of stuff do you usually kind of cover? Like I know um, you're, you're like a Microsoft certified trainer and, and whatnot. So is it kind of Microsoft kind of stuff you're teaching or, or what exactly are you teaching? Uh, no, actually, I uh, the Microsoft courses. I'm Microsoft certified trainer, and yeah. I am charter Microsoft charter member. So uh, I, I I taught at some Microsoft centers. Right. Uh, so that Microsoft stuff, I have to teach it in the certified centers. I can't teach it outside. Oh, okay, uh, got you. But outside, I I teach the the basic science for the undergraduates. Oh, very cool. So so you're very busy then. Yes, so, <laughs> I'm currently team lead for the Monkin Group, Engineering for the Blind, Engineering sure. uh, Scholars Incorporation. So yes, I'm I'm too busy. <laughs> yeah, no. So we'll we'll get to kind of your engineering for the blind stuff in a second, but I'm curious then. So you moved to America. Um, what kind of decided, or what made you decide to kind of go into journalism at uh, Harvard? <laughs> uh, actually, at first, I, I had uh, my, my baby, I had okay. my daughter, sure. so I had to stay uh, at home for some years. During sure. uh, these years, I wrote some books, some published books, sure. and well, one of them made a uh, bestseller on Amazon. I was a co-author for that book, um, and uh, I, I became uh, an editor-in-chief for an online Arabic uh, monthly magazine. So I found my passion. I, I really write good and people like my writing. It's some sort of teaching as well, but in, in writing form. <laughs> no, that's so, awesome. Yeah, so I decided, okay, now let me do it professionally. Let me uh, start studying journalism and see how it goes. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I, I, I think that's really cool. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think that, that's kind of really fascinating to me. Um, oh, so let's let's kind of maybe get into um, exactly what you're what you're doing um, with engineering for, for the blind like I think um, it's super it's super important and I, I love kind of talking about accessibility and um, you know especially as, as things aren't necessarily move kind of on on and offline I think is kind of what fascinates me about the whole accessibility thing and you're, you're really kind of in that space. And so do you kind of want to talk about what you're kind of doing um, in the accessibility kind of uh, blind space? Yes, sure. Uh, it's my main interest. <laughs> sure. Um, actually, the Momkin group started uh, the same. It started by uh, I volunteered to give a webinar with a friend who is a visually impaired uh, person, but he sure. is uh, a fascinating programmer. Okay. Uh, so well. we we collaborated together to make to give a webinar with Egypt Scholars Incorporation. Okay. Uh, just sharing the idea. Uh, if just uh, making the engineers pay attention. Be careful the the, the visually impaired needs your your knowledge. Uh, please start making them uh, devices and programs because in the Middle East, unfortunately, in the Middle East, the the care for the accessibility is very low and um, nobody provides Arabic programs, um, which is the main language. Uh, the, the devices that are imported from outside, it's very expensive for the visually impaired people in Egypt, which is already a poor country. So it, gotcha. it's hard, so hard for them to buy these devices uh, and there are no maintenance for it, even if they uh, afford it to get it uh, and it got broke, it's done. They can't, they, nobody maintains it. I so got you. We, 
we did that and after the webinar um, we were surprised by the impact <laughs> really we, yes many people contacted us to make okay let's do it let's make a group who uh, cares about engineering and the visually impaired uh, who dedicates their knowledge and experience to the visually impaired people Sure. So we no. started like that. I, I uh, love that. Like it was basically like you didn't plan on doing something, and you just got such a good, um, you know, outreach that you that you were kind of just went for it, right? I think that's awesome, and I think yes. that's super important, right? And I think obviously um, with the group, you guys are doing really cool stuff. You know, obviously in Egypt, like you mentioned, but I think pretty much anywhere in the world, um, especially as designers and developers. We really need to think about this stuff, right? And that's really why I wanted to have you on the show because I, I just kind of want to, to talk to you about like why it's important, why we should care, um, you know. And so do you maybe want to talk about kind of exactly that? Like why, why is it important and why should people, especially designers and developers, care about when they're doing, you know, kind of software or building kind of physical products in, in the world? Yes, actually, um, uh, this is it, it, to us. It was very cool. Our our team. Uh, we are about thirty eight uh, people in that team. We are from all over the world. <laughs> we never right. met physically in any place. That's we awesome. We are always talking online. Uh, our meetings, all our meetings are online. Um, we are from everywhere, literally from everywhere, from Palestine, Jordan, uh, Saudi really? Arabia, uh, Indiana, Washington, uh, California, New York. <laughs> but, but I think that's, that, that's super awesome to even mention, right? Because the world's so small nowadays that it doesn't even really matter where you are and you can make like a huge difference globally. No matter exactly. where you live, right? And like, and I think the other thing that um, you just brought up that's really fascinating to me is the fact that you created this whole organization with people across the globe to tr try to solve like a real problem, right? And and yes. bring and and almost like promote to the world, um, you know, this this problem that you guys are solving, right? And you're bringing awareness and and getting people to think about it. And I think that's super important. Yes, exactly. And that's what we are trying to do. And every time we, we talk about it, uh, you know, sharing your dream, every time we share our dream and share our vision, we get more engineers and more visually impaired people interested to join our team, which is really so cool. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So what kind of stuff are you guys doing then? Like you mentioned kind of webinars and whatnot, but what exactly are you guys doing? Uh, okay, actually, uh, the, the Momkin group, uh, okay. Engineering for the Blind, it has many subgroups. One of the subgroups is uh, the visually impaired people. They are the ones who provide us with the ideas, with the problems, and okay. uh, make for us, we, we make with them the uh, system analysis for any system. Gotcha. Uh, and they are the ones who provide the testing at the end, uh, and uh, they stay with us throughout the whole process. Okay. Most of them are programmers, even though they are uh, visually impaired they taught themselves how to use the computers and how to one of uh, actually the, the co-founder of the Mumkin group the visually impaired person Wael Zakaria his name is Wael Zakaria he actually uh, learned um, uh, microelectronics and he started to use uh, uh, that the, he, he once asked it for a screwdriver which can talk really <laughs> yeah. yeah so he can make circuits wow. himself so uh, it's really fascinating how 
they, they just like their vision. So if anything talks to them, they can do everything that we do. Interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, the other subgroup we have is the devices group. They are the ones who design uh, the devices for the blinds, uh, okay. and it usually makes um, it speaks in English and Arabic. Okay. Uh, the third subgroup is the mentorship. Um, they provide the mentors to the graduation projects uh, of the engineers that are interested in making accessible. Uh, projects and to the companies there there are very few companies in the middle east uh, which makes uh, devices and programs for for the visually impaired people and usually they need help okay uh, so we provide mentorship to them we provide testing uh, we help them in the market survey we help them in promoting their devices uh, and uh, and uh, specifying the prices Especially the prices, because it differs a lot. You know, if you promote it a certain device in Egypt, the price is entirely different. Uh, if you promote it in the Gulf area, oh, so it's very interesting. We, we try actually. to help them. Yes, uh, we try to help them. For example, in Egypt, uh, uh, one of the devices is um, Hope glasses. It's glasses that help the, the visually impaired people to know many things. And in Egypt, the, the visually impaired people said that they can't uh, afford more than 500 uh, Egyptian pounds. Okay. So what, what is that in U.S. dollars, just, just for people uh, that are listening? Roughly. Uh, it's, yeah, roughly it's about $50. Okay, okay. While in the Gulf, they said that they can afford till $1,000, $2,000. Got you. Okay, so, so quite, so quite a range. Yes, yes, exactly. So they always need help in that. Um, and uh, the third, the fourth subgroup we have is the software group where they make uh, software programs. Okay. Uh, and the last group is the awareness and the relation, the public relations. Oh, okay, fair enough. You no, know, that that makes a lot of sense. So the the thing that I've always kind of find fascinating about about um, this whole space is the fact that everything nowadays seems to be getting a lot cheaper and. Um, like what you guys are basically doing, right? And I know um, smartphones have dropped in price and certain things and other devices have dropped in price. Like I know, I think India has a $5 kind of um, Android phone now. I know Walmart has a $10 Android phone um, in, in the States and whatnot. And so, you know, pretty much most people can afford a smartphone at those prices nowadays. And I think it's only a matter of time before it starts kind of going into other industries. And, you know, as more and more people come online, we need to really think about um, basically the different kind of accessibility challenges that certain people on, on the globe have, right? Especially when the first yes. time they might actually access um, the internet might just be on a phone, right? And we need to think about things about like... Um, screen readers and um, kind of other other things and it's fascinating to me that, that you mentioned kind of that screwdriver thing that if it if it talks to you that you could basically do anything which is which is really fascinating to me so I'm kind of curious to dive into other um, examples either whether it's in the software space or or in the kind of hardware real-world space about things that people should know about consider when kind of looking at solving some of these kind of challenges? 
Yes, uh, actually the devices group uh, now are working about a device called the smart box. Uh, they, um, they are working on designing a very small uh, device just okay. in the size of the mobile, but it has many sensors. Sensors, okay. uh, instead of holding a, a, a device for every task, a sensor for a, a color detection, uh, temperature sensing, um, knowing the compass, knowing the time, the alarm, uh, many other tasks, you know, and it will be just a very small device where the, the visually impaired person will just change the sensor and it will tell him the information that he's asking for. Without any help, you know, we are trying to promote the independence so he doesn't ask any people. And uh, one of the very important functions of this smart box is the money, money detection. Because sure. The, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, this device is not available yet. Uh, the money detection for the uh, Middle East currencies. Uh, it's available, of course, uh, in Europe and America, but it is not available in the Middle East. And some companies made uh, mobile apps for it, but it is not working uh, very well. And in, in money, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it needs to work. Is, yeah. yeah, it has to be very accurate. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so this is one of the devices. Uh, we finished the first prototype and okay. we are working on the second uh, prototype for it. Um, about the software, we are developing right now uh, text-to-speech, Arabic text-to-speech. Um, the text-to-speech in English, it's available for free even. Uh, many versions and many companies are providing that. But sure. for the Arabic, unfortunately, not many people are working on that. Right. Uh, so we are trying to, to do that. We finished the first prototype okay. and we are now enhancing the quality because uh, some of the visually impaired people told us, for example, that he feels that it's uh, uh, it's someone, who, English, who is reading Arabic. <laughs> so Arabic is, is really hard. It's really hard. It has uh, all, all the sounds in all the languages and even more. There are some sounds in the Arabic language that is not in any other language. Sure. So it's really hard uh, and even in the writing it's it's really hard because we write it from right to left and it has some special symbols over the letters so you have to take the symbols and the letters sure so the, the, it's really hard yeah i can imagine and um just from kind of when we spoke last time um you speak a number of languages so you understand kind of the like the challenges going from one to the other right and then Doing that kind of through software adds another, well, it probably adds a handful of other complexities like you just mentioned. Yes, yes. Uh, actually, I speak uh, English, French, German, uh, and of course, Arabic. <laughs> it's my mother language, sure, my sure. mother tongue. Uh, so, yes, in Arabic, it's really hard and not much research has been done in that area. That's what we are trying to Whenever we are talking to professors in the university, we always tell them, please tackle this problem. Please start working on the character recognition on the OCR, Arabic OCR. We not yet started Arabic OCR group in our team, but we are planning to do that because it's, it's a very rich uh, scientific research area. Sure. So how are you guys funding the Monken group? Um, basically, at the beginning, we were funding it ourselves from okay. the team. Uh, we are all volunteers. 
but recently, just from about 10 days, we, we finished the design for a white cane. Okay. We collaborated with uh, a professor in the university uh, in industrial uh, uh, department, and they designed the white cane. Imagine that the white cane is not manufactured in Middle East. Okay. Imagine that. So it's a very basic request for the visually impaired people. It's the very basic uh, accessible device ever. Sure, sure. So we, we collaborated with him, a group of students. We made a contest, organized for the students a contest. And okay. the winning team, we are going to manufacture their uh, design for the white cane. Oh, very uh, cool. We wanted to, to manufacture 1,000. The team uh, members, we could manufacture 30 white canes ourselves. Okay. But to make 1,000 white canes to be for free for the visually impaired, it was uh, a little bit high. We, we wanted about $10,000. Okay. Uh, so we, we made a fundraise campaign online, and it was done in 10 days. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Uh, it was very surprising to us. And when we closed the campaign, many people were upset that they couldn't participate. But we told them, okay, let's just try to focus now on the manufacturing and maybe later on we will do another one. Sure. No, that makes sense. So where are you guys, how are you guys going about doing manufacturing? Like uh, we are going to do it in Egypt. Okay. For, for the first phase, we want to you know, we are testing on a small area and then maybe we will uh, go to the other Arab countries around us. But we started at first in, in Egypt. We are going to manufacture it in Egypt. It's much cheaper. Okay. Uh, the, the imported white cane, the cheapest one is about um, uh, $25. Okay. We are going to try to afford it about $5, $10, the, the manufacturing fees for it. Sure. Only costs five or ten dollars. So th this uh, this difference is really huge in Egypt. <laughs> sure. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. But I think I think you bring up an interesting point there that we kind of I think forget about sometimes being in North America, where you know, in a lot of cases, sometimes like oh, what's what's saving five dollars? But in a lot of cases, you know, five dollars in 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 certain parts of the world is is a lot of money, right? Where I'm not saying it's not a lot in North America, but like I think a lot of people and especially, you know, people that, you know, if, if usually if you're um, working in the kind of tech sector, you're probably making decent money and you're probably you probably go to Starbucks and five dollar drink is, you know, it happens to you probably on a semi regular basis. Right. And so you don't really think about that. But when you're actually thinking about it in terms of, you know, saving um, that, especially when it comes to accessibility and some sort of hardware or physical device in the real world in certain countries like five dollar savings is a, is a is a huge deal right and i think what i really wanted to try to stress with having you on the show is like just thinking about these things because i think we as well I, I, obviously like you live in north america now but you weren't um born in north america is like well i think a lot of people in north america don't really think about um people and um things outside of North America, right? And I think mm -hmm. as, as the, the world gets smaller and we talk to people and we partner or we volunteer or we start businesses with people in other parts of the world, we need to really start to think about this stuff, right? And especially if we're, we're selling our software devices in other parts of the world. Yes, actually in, in Egypt, uh, some families are living on only uh, $10 a month. 
ten like I was like ten. That's ten dollars U.S. Correct? Yeah, they earn. Yes, wow. they earn ten dollars, and the whole family lives on ten dollars for one whole month. So. Wow. So yeah, like saving five dollars is huge, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. No. And I... if if a family think about it in another way, if a family consists of five members and all of them are visually impaired people, so the the father has to provide. Uh, five fly canes, uh, five devices, five mobiles that has uh, text-to-speech on it, uh, five applications. Every application he's going to buy, it is multiplied by five. So it's really huge costs on on a visually impaired person. So uh, if you think about it in in from another aspect, wow, he's he, this, this family. Probably they are not going to let their kids go to school because they don't, they can't afford the white canes for them. Probably they will try to homeschool them, which will make them. No, I'm not sure if they can do that or not. But uh, these visually impaired people, uh, and especially one whole family, which is one whole family having uh, visually impaired persons, so uh, they need special care because it's, sure. it, 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 they need much, much money. No, totally. That makes makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious then. So you get once you guys are done, you got your thousand um, white canes. How do you go about um, distributing them to people? Do you guys have um, some people um, kind of in Egypt that can uh, hand these out, or, or how does how does that process even work? Uh, yes, actually, uh, most most of the members of the Momkin group were already mem- volunteers uh, in another organization in Egypt, which is called Risala. Okay. Uh, Risala means message in English. Okay. <laughs> so, gotcha. uh, yeah, the, this uh, this organization, we actually work, uh, we, we are going to st- distribute the white canes through them. We are going uh... to provide that they have already many um, visually impaired activities and the groups inside this organization. So they are going to, to help us in distributing the Hawaii Kings. I got you. So how long roughly will it take you to make a thousand of the Kings? Uh, I think a couple of months. Okay, so no, that's not too bad, especially in kind of yes. manufacturing terms. Uh, and we are not going only to provide the white canes. Okay. Uh, we are going to provide as well training on using the white canes because We discovered in Upper Egypt that uh, when we uh, sent the prototypes for testing, Mm -hmm. we discovered that many people in the Upper Egypt, they don't even hear about the white cane. They don't know. Because it is not a fort. And if it's there, it's too expensive for them to buy it. So many people, they don't know it. So uh, when we went to a a, a school uh, for the visually impaired uh, kids, uh, one of the teachers told us, I, I know how to use it. If you can afford it, I can train my students on using it. But it has to be afforded first. Yeah, no, fair. So, yes, yes, it's it's a big problem. So, I, I... so how, like, this may sound like a stupid question, but how, like, how do you train somebody? Like, what are you showing them when you're training them? Um, actually, they, the the white canes um, it, it differs. It has many types. Okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, the length of the white cane depends on the height of the person. Oh, so they usually I didn't know that. Oh yeah, they usually use it um, if he's going to step his left foot. Then he has to check the place the, the the place he's going to locate his foot first that before makes sense. putting his foot on it. 
and with the um, it, it has to be hollow from inside so uh, he feels uh, in his hand what he's going to step on it is it going to have a mud is it a rocky is it um, a hard street soft street what 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 is the material that he's going to step on it so he does, doesn't slip sure no that makes a lot of sense uh, so the, this this needs uh, training and the stairs, of course, it needs uh, a big training to use the Y cane for for step down and up the stairs. Okay, makes sense. Uh, and in the streets, uh, actually, the training mainly uh, at first they teach them how to use it okay. before before walking inside uh, a, a closed place, and then outside in the streets where. It's hazard environment. Every sure. anything can happen. So he has to check before it and uh, to teach them how to hear the people around them. Uh, in Egypt, there is no traffic laws enforced, not like the North America. <laughs> so it's Fair really enough. very dangerous to cross the street. Sure. So they need special training for that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No. That's that's actually this is quite fascinating to me. I I love that this whole space and kind of learning about this because, like a lot of the stuff we just take for granted, right? Yes. Uh, and even in, in Europe and uh, in the crowded places like New York City, you will find that traffic lights uh, actually speaks. It, uh, it says, now it's red light, now it's safe to cross. Okay. Uh, in Egypt, no, we don't have such traffic lights. Right, right, okay. So, so I guess, what's kind of the future of the Moken Group? Uh, oh, this is a hard question, you know. Because <laughs> you guys are in so many different spaces, right? So... Like, do you guys have kind of, like you, you mentioned that um, you'll probably do another run and campaign um, to build more, more canes, but, and, and you're doing some stuff on the software space, but is there any kind of other um, physical products that you guys are looking at building? I, I know you mentioned color detection and stuff like that. Um, is there anything else that's coming down the, the pipeline or, or is it kind of yeah. still too early and you got too much on the plate to kind of decide? Uh, actually, we, we decide everything step by step. Okay. Uh, every phase, when we are done with that phase, we, we start looking for other problems to solve. Uh, so currently, we are looking for providing uh, the, the cooking uh, uh, utensils for the blind women because we discovered that the burning rates for the women is really high in the kitchen. Oh, so interesting. So we try to... to uh, this will be our next project uh, to provide the cooking utensils that speaks to to the women. Okay. And uh, educational uh, educational devices, you know, uh, uh, two two hour of uh, two hour of Momkin group went to the California Blind School, and they found really very cool uh, devices uh, that they use there. Okay. Uh, so we hope we can make manufacture something similar to the blind schools in Egypt. That's 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 really cool and it, it's interesting. It, it kind of gets you thinking about all the different things that we just do that we don't think about. That you know, yeah, you obviously you could burn yourself pretty easily, right? And and solving those kind of problems for people, I I think we're kind of at in some cases I think we're kind of at the beginning of the tech revolution. Um, where you can almost apply technology to almost anything that hasn't had technology applied to it. And, and what I mean by that is, like you said, like a talking screwdriver, you, you might not have been able to do that a few decades ago, but now it's pretty 
pretty affordable. You could probably do it pretty cheap. Um, you could probably sync it to a phone. So, you know, there's a, and you could probably have it almost even get software updates for, for lack of a better term of that, right? Exactly. Where, yes. Uh, and right. for the medicines as well, we thought uh, many, many, many uh, blind people actually complained about that they can't recognize their medicines. Uh, oh, so yeah, they totally. need uh, they need some uh, uh, braille stickers to be sticked over the the uh, medicine box so they know when to take it and uh, how to take it. Uh, so we we are still looking in this system. We didn't decide yet to start doing it, but we are still looking for solutions for this problem. Sure. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um. So I'm curious then, you said you've had quite a bit of um, interest from people kind of wanting to be part of um, the group. How, how do people that are interested um, kind of go about um, being, being a part of it? Um, actually, in Egypt, the scholars itself, we have a hiring process. They okay. just apply online uh, on the website. Okay, what's and the website then... just for people listening? Oh, yes, it's uh, egyptscholars.org, E-G-Y-P-T-S-C-H-O-L-A-R-S dot O-R-G. Okay, perfect. Yes, they uh, they apply online. Um, okay. And then uh, we with the HR contact us with the interested uh, candidates, uh, and we, we talk with them. One, uh, we see uh, his qualifications, and according to his resume, I direct him to the uh, suitable subgroup. Gotcha. <laughs> and uh, the subgroup team lead uh, makes an interview with him, and the process follows. Okay. And if I want to volunteer, is it the same process, or, or how do I go about doing that? Yes, yes, of course. I'd be so so happy to hire you, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> no, but even Actually, just but even just people listening, if they're they're interested in kind of contributing in some way too, like how do they go about, um, you know, be, being become a part of this, right? If they're in a different part of the world or whatnot. Oh yeah, they usually they just send us an email at monkin m o m k e n at egyptscholars.org okay. uh, or any member of the team. Uh, they just send an email to any member of the team or to the website, to the Facebook page. I got you. Okay. Uh, and I'll post these links in, in kind of the show notes. Uh, so, you know, hopefully some, some listeners um, out there reach out to you guys because I think what you guys are doing is super important and, and you know, much needed. I think what, what I like about kind of what you guys are doing is you're, you're basically a startup, right? Um, you have a bunch of volunteers, you guys are building um, physical and digital products that solve real problems in, um, you know, kind of globally, really. Like, what you guys are doing could be used pretty much anywhere, right? There's, there's people in need of this stuff on a global scale. Um, you know, obviously, um, in Egypt and, and other parts of the world, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, especially in places where this stuff isn't as common as it is in North America, right? And so yes. I think it makes a lot of sense. And if anybody's out there, um, either check out the website or check out the show website or, you know, reach out to me personally and I can kind of pass you along to you guys, right? Because oh, I, yeah, I think sure. it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's it's super important. And I think even just getting people to think about um, accessibility um, for, for different types of people when they're building physical or, or digital products, right? Because um, I've been thinking about it, you know, over, over my career. But, you know, sometimes, sadly, 
it's it's not in the budget, right? Or it's not the target market. But I think as more and more people come on online, you, we need to think about these things because potentially you could be limiting a bunch of users, right? Yes. Just by not yes. considering certain certain things. And I, I get that you might not need to cover every possible combination, but even if you just start thinking about this or put it on your software roadmap, I think um, makes a lot of sense, right? And you can gain a lot of users sure. just that way, right? Yeah, sure. Yes, of course. Um, and actually, um, it's worth mentioning that Egypt Scholars is a nonprofit organization. We okay. are registered in California, uh, USA. Okay. Uh, uh, this is the formal registration, <laughs> you know, and we are all volunteers. And that's why when we made the fundraising campaign, we decided to, to offer these uh, canes, white canes for free to the visually impaired people in Egypt. Uh, so, yes, we are working with the same methodology of any startup company. And uh, we are really following these rigid, uh, you know, rigid procedures. <laughs> we always sure. do market survey. We always do quality assurance. We always was um, have the feedback from the users and the uh, and the customers we, we follow the same uh, way professionally uh, but we try to to make it for free and afford it for free for the visually impaired people sure no I, I think that's awesome um, but sadly we're kind of running out of time so maybe do you want to close the show um, with promoting anything that you want to mention um, personally or um, about kind of the mumkin group again and maybe where people can um, find you guys online again? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, actually, we have a Facebook uh, page. Uh, okay. uh, it has Momkin, M-O-M-K-E-N, okay. uh, on, on the Facebook. And our uh, website is Egypt Scholars, E-G-Y-P-T-S-C-H-O-L-A-R-S.org. Actually, the organization, it has many projects. Sure. Uh, Momkin Group is only one project from it. Gotcha. The, the, yeah, the organizations uh, is really making some fascinating uh, other projects. Uh, we are the only group up till now uh, uh, caring about accessibility. I wish that we have another one for the deaf sure. people. Uh, this will be awesome. <laughs> sure. And we're always calling for volunteers. So it will be really very useful if someone would like to donate not only money, but donate uh, the experience and the knowledge. You sure. know, this is the, the new volunteering uh, aspect that we are asking for. No, I, I think that's awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your very, very busy schedule with school and volunteering and this project and your magazine and kind of everything else you're involved in and just being kind of a, a mother and a wife. And <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Actually, I just finished a Lego, Lego Mindstorm robot with my daughter. <laughs> sure, sure. No, that's awesome. <laughs> so, but yeah, like, thanks again for doing this. I really appreciate oh, it. And I, I look forward to kind of keeping in touch with you and uh, kind of following your guys' journey. Oh, thanks, Gavin, so much. Uh, it's really honored to me to, to be a guest on your show. I'm really so glad for that. And thank you for this opportunity and for this time. I, I love your show. Thank you yeah. so much. Uh, well, thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> thank you. okay. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com. And keep building the future. Music.